The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 202 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is family caregivers and adverse events in home care. Adverse events occur when things go wrong at home during any kind of care. Now, home care can involve caring for incurable or persistent physical and mental illnesses, for incurable disorders that people are born with, for the consequences of serious accidents like paralysis following spinal injury, for children who are vulnerable, for adults who are aging or frail. Adverse events in home care may cause harm, obviously, to the people who are receiving care, but they also may cause harm to the family and the family caregivers involved in the caring, and they may cause harm that results in medical emergencies and admissions to hospitals. So prevention of adverse events in home care is important for everyone and especially for persons being cared for at home and for their family caregivers. Which is why our topic today, family caregivers and adverse events in home care, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Dr. Nancy Sears and Kathy Walker. Nancy is a registered nurse in Ontario, Canada. She holds the Baccalaureate of Science in Nursing, a master's degree in public administration and a PhD in health administration from the University of Toronto. Her research focuses on harm that individuals receiving health care can experience. She is involved in research that examines patient safety in home care across Canada. She's an elected member of the Governing Council of the College of Nurses of Ontario and chair of its discipline committee, and she teaches nursing at St. Lawrence College. Kathy has a master's degree in social work and is a registered social worker. She's 15 years of experience in the mental health care system, and she's family caregiver for a son with a serious mental illness. She serves on the board of an agency that she helped develop with other family caregivers to build supportive housing for people with serious mental illnesses. She chairs the agency's service delivery model committee, which is concerned with the safety of the people who live in the uh, agency or live in the um, facilities uh, that they're building and creating. Kathy co-facilitates the Strengthening Families Together program of the Schizophrenia Society of Ontario 
And in this broadcast, Kathy's using her maiden name to protect the identity of her son. So, welcome to the show, Nancy and Kathy. Thank you very much, Gordon. Right. Now, Nancy, I'm going to start with you. Please tell us about your research. Nancy? Well, as you mentioned, Gordon, I am a nurse, and for quite a few years, I led the delivery of home care services to thousands of people. And prior to that, I, I actually was a home care nurse going into the homes of people that were receiving care. I knew from that experience that from time to time, things just didn't go as planned, and sometimes individuals fell victim to new injuries or new illnesses as a result of the care that they were receiving. So a few years ago, when I returned to academic pursuits, I launched a study to find out or start figuring out how often um, those receiving home care received an injury or fell victim to a new illness and what those injuries or new illnesses were. So that's the area that we started looking at. I was leading the research at that time. And what we had found out, actually, is this is research that has been done in hospitals across the world, but very little inquiry had actually gone on into people receiving home care, even though the literature across the world, again, says, you know, receiving care in your home is the safest way to do it. And it was, it was a statement that had been made, but it had never really been a question that had been asked and answered. How safe was it? Nancy, just a very quick extension. You're saying to us, aren't you, that you have actually been a nurse in practice relating to home care? I have. I've gone into homes. I've been in rural homes and remote homes. I've been in urban centers um, and delivered some home care services actually in what we would call street home care services to the homeless. So I've lived the life of the home care nurse. I've actually even lived the life of of a family member um, of a person receiving home care. Um, So I've seen it from all different sides. And it was that experience that led me to start asking the questions about the harm that we may be causing people. What was it? How serious was it? How often was it happening? Got it. Kathy, please tell us about your work as a family caregiver. Kathy? Well, I'm the mother of a, um, a son who has schizoaffective disorder. Um, that involves um, sort of there's a mood component, and he also has psychosis. Um, and he lives with me on a regular basis. Um, my caregiving is very much like the case management that I um, that I gave when I was in the field, um, in that I provide supportive counseling. Um, I'm a liaison to the formal, formal health care system. I monitor his meds, do advocacy work to the system on his behalf, uh, make sure he eats healthy, and I'm always uh, making sure he has enough fluids because he's on lithium. And on rare occasions, I'm also his crisis worker. Um, I feel that um, because I'm there on a I'm actually retired at this at this particular point. So because I'm there on a 24-7 basis, I am um, the eyes and the ears. Uh, if anything goes wrong, if there's any kind of blip, I'm there. And in some ways, I'm sort of the first line of prevention of any kind of adverse event. Um, 
I have found it's kind of interesting now that I'm in this uh, position almost full time. I find the amount of work and energy that I do um, when I was a professional in the field, I had no idea how much uh, commitment there is to um, to this um, responsibility. And um, being on the front line, I have found that there's many, many gaps in the healthcare system, and I have. Uh, in this position, kind of a unique perspective. Um, and um, But I've also found at the same time it's very hard to express your concerns within the mental health care system. So a lot of my energy is uh, put forth in advocacy, uh, writing letters to the editor. I actually have an op-ed um, piece going into the local paper. So I've been doing, and, and also I've been getting together with other family caregivers who feel uh, also that, you know, there needs to be, we need to have a voice in the system because we really are putting quite a bit of energy and work and commitment into our, our um, responsibilities. We're going to come back to that, Kathy. Thank you. Now, Nancy, please could you quickly tell us what an adverse event in home care actually is? Um, I can try. First of all, to understand what something is, sometimes it's easier to understand what it isn't. So I'm going to try and I'll start that way. Sometimes in healthcare, we knowingly hurt someone in a minor way in order to get a bigger benefit from the care. For example, and this is a, a hospital example, we might harm somebody by amputating their toe so we can reattach it as their thumb on a damaged hand. So we've hurt them, but hurt them intentionally. An adverse event is never intentional. The second thing in home care is an adverse event in the home is not the same thing as the normal kind of harm you might experience in your home. It's not, for example, an injury from tripping over a rug that any one of us might do or going down the hall in the dark and tripping over the dog. That's not an adverse event in home care. Those are normal household accidents, as bad as they can be. They're what we all deal with. So in, in the strict research terms that we looked at, an adverse event in home care has to meet three criteria. First of all, it has to be unintended injury or harm. So we didn't mean to do it. The second thing that it has to do is it has to result in either a temporary or a permanent disability, So it has to stop you from being able to function normally or it has to uh, require or make you require more health care services, more care, or it has to have killed you. One of those three things. And then finally, it has to be related to the care that you're receiving. And in home care, the care that you're receiving as part of your home care plan can be provided by the workers, the home care people that come into your home, the doctor who's ordering certain care plans, the pharmacist who's preparing your pills, or it can be uh, contributed to or caused by family caregivers who are part of that plan of care, who are doing something for the care recipient that's part of a plan, or by the person's own self-care as it relates to their health care. So it's unintended, it causes harm, and it's related to the plan of care. That's what an adverse event is. Very clear. We're going to come back to that. Kathy, just very quickly, tell us what is meant by serious mental illness. Well, a serious mental illness is um, a biological brain disorder that um, 
interferes with the normal brain chemistry. Um, it can disrupt the way the person feels or the person's mood or their ability to relate to others. It can get in the way of just, um, you know, the ability to cope with ordinary um, ordinary things that happen in life. Um, examples of serious mental illness are major depression, which is a mood disorder, bipolar disorder, which is also a mood disorder, and um, it can have a high, even either have a low mood or a high mood or a mixed mania, which is sort of nonstop talking and very anxious, um, schizophrenia, which involves psychosis, schizoaffective disorder, which is, um, you know, it's uh, sort of a psychotic disorder with a mood component, and obsessive-compulsive disorder, which um, is obsessive thoughts that are addressed by a compelling, you know, uh, response, compelling behavior to address the the obsessive thoughts. Um, Generally, people uh, get sick with a serious mental illness in their teens or in their 20s. Uh, 3% of Canadians live with serious mental illness. It's an equal opportunity uh, situation. It uh, can affect anybody, um, any um, race or age religion, education, and it's devastating to the person and also to the family. Uh, it is treatable. Um, the most common treatment is medication with family caregiving, psychosocial supports, vocational training, or recreation. There is hope. It's important to always know this. And um, sadly, there's really not too many uh, dollars um, in medical research in regards to mental illness. The statistic that I found, and it might be an old one, says that only 4% of medical research funding goes to mental illness. Now, we're going to talk about many of those things um, in the next segment, but right now we have to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Dr. Nancy Sears and Kathy Walker. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Nancy Sears and Kathy Walker. Our topic is Family Caregivers and Adverse Events in Home Care. 
Let's talk about research into adverse events in home care and about the adverse events in home care for family members with serious mental illnesses. Nancy, please, you first. Please, would you summarize the findings from your research into adverse events in home care? I'd love to. I'll I'll give you the highlight. First of all, what we did is we studied a population of about half a million people that um, in, in a rural and urban combined area. And these people were, ev- were from an age of zero, newborns, up to people in their hundreds. And they had all the full range of medical and health care issues and problems in their life. Uh, serious injury, serious illness, palliative needs, mental health illnesses. We didn't eliminate anybody because of their condition or because of their age or their living circumstance in the, in the people that we studied. What we did find that indeed we could show definitively that people were being injured from time to time from their home care. And what we were also able to find is um, the most common injury were related to falls that people had. And remember, these are falls related to their health care, not to just wandering about in their home. So falls when they were trying to get out of bed, trying to move from a wheelchair to a, a toilet, um, falls from their walker. We also found that medication-related injuries were the second most common um, type of injury or, uh, that people suffered. And we also did find, and it was very unfortunate, but we did find that people actually died from these new home care-related illnesses and injuries. So one of the things that I found most interesting was we found that about a third of the time it was the professionals and the paid caregivers that were coming into the home or supporting that home care that contributed to the cause of those new injuries, those new illnesses. But as just as interesting, about one-third of the time, it was the family caregivers who contributed to the cause of the injury in the illness. And astoundingly, about 50% of the time, it was the person's self-care that contributed to the illness and the injury. If you do the math really quickly, a third and a third and 50% is more than 100%. So that's just a quick indication that sometimes people got together to contribute to these, these uh, new injuries, these new illnesses. It wasn't just one person. Sometimes it was two or three people that were contributing to those new illnesses. Right. Um, Kathy, so I'm going to just introduce Kathy at this particular point with this question. Please describe to us, Kathy, how serious mental illnesses create adverse events in home care. Um, and let's see if we can fit that together with what Nancy was just saying. Well, Kathy? Actually, I was listening to Nancy, and I found it really quite fascinating, um, you know, um, what causes adverse events. Um, I'll try and sort of, I don't know, I'll just describe what happens uh, when you're looking after somebody with serious mental illness, and hopefully there might be some fit. Um, I think that the major problem when looking after somebody with serious mental illness is um, a lack of education about the illness. And I find it's not only family caregivers, um, it's also mental health professionals. Um, they, the, the symptoms are often quite subtle. I mean, we all know about the psychotic uh, symptoms because these are, you know, the positive symptoms. But the negative symptoms and the cognitive symptoms aren't really necessarily um, well known. So things can happen that are the result of... Um, maybe responding um, inappropriately or, or disregarding something, uh, and that can cause harm 
to the person and also to the caregiver. And I'll give you maybe just one example. Uh, my son um, is very, very sensitive to noise. Uh, now, that's a cognitive symptom. You know, if the TV is usually quite low, but he hears it uh, at a louder uh, sound, so he'll say, turn, turn, that, turn that noise down. And I do, because I, I respect the fact that he, his perception is different than mine. But somebody who didn't really know him might think that he's bullying me or that he's um, trying to, um, you know, to uh, in some way boss me around. But I know from just living 24-7 with him that that bothers him. So I um, can accommodate that. Um, also, um, things that are more overt are uh, pa- paranoid delusions. Um, uh, uh, and sometimes he'll come in, and there's one, there was one occasion at 6 o'clock in the morning, he came in, uh, to, uh, and I was still asleep, and he woke me up and he said, Mom, you've taken uh, money out of my wallet. You stole money from me. Where is it? Where is it? And, you know, I had to put my feelings of alarm aside while I'm trying to de-escalate him. That takes quite a bit of skill. Um, and uh, because I know him and I know that he has these fixed paranoid delusions, I can work around them. The, the, the kind of um, byproduct of that, unfortunately, is that I can get quite stressed along with other caregivers. Uh, I've talked to other caregivers who talk about walking on eggshells. I have a permanent lump in my throat because of the sort of hypervigilance that I need to always be aware that something might happen and I have to address it so that it won't get worse, so that somehow he walks away feeling that somehow I've heard him and that his needs have been met. So I don't know if that fits in uh, in any way, uh, Nancy, to how you've been describing an adverse event. Let me go straight. Thank you, Kathy. Let me go straight back to Kathy to Nancy with that. Um, I, I'm going to ask you to highlight the implications of your research for family caregivers because you've already, uh, so to speak, pointed to them uh, in this question of adverse events. But also, could you deal with Kathy's question to you uh, just about how well what she's been describing fits into your classification system, Nancy? Okay, well, I'll try to do that for you. First of all, what we find in home care is family caregivers are almost always present in home care. They're a very, very critical and important part of the plan. They're important participants in home care. What our study pointed out to us is it made us wonder if they enter into this role with what you could say, if we can borrow from the movies, eyes wide open or if they're unaware of the risks that both receiving care and giving care carries with it. We, you know, health care is an inherently risky business. Whether you're giving it or receiving it, there's a risk. And we don't know if home care people understand that sufficiently. So our study suggests that individuals and family caregivers should be told about the possible risks of tr- contributing to harm and experiencing harm so that their consent to participate is fully informed. In effect, they go in with eyes open. The study also raises questions about how care is being divided between family members and the individual and the paid health care folks. Are we selecting and assigning that care in a prudent way? So basically, are we selecting in every situation, because every situation is different, are we selecting the right person to provide the right care 
And are we making sure that they know how to do it and that they also have the skills to do it in the right way at the right time? Now, I'm not sure if that specifically answers Kathy's question or if there's a little bit more you want me to tease out. Let me go to Kathy now and ask her just to say a little bit more about family caregivers' experiences as these relate to adverse events in home care for serious mental illness. Kathy, you've already mentioned some of them, and particularly your own, but please say more about them, and then we can ask Nancy um, to see if she can say how well um, the things that she's been describing fit with those experiences. Yeah. Um, perhaps I could give some examples of some of the situations that I and my uh, fellow family caregivers experience. Um, I'm not sure, Nancy, whether this would help, but it sort of um, it sort of indicates. Uh, in doing this, I may be sort of indicating that there is quite a, a breadth of uh, experiences uh, that we, um, you know, that we observe. Uh, for example, uh, one of my fellow mothers, her son got on to, you know, walked out of the house, got to the airport and got on a plane to England, you know. Um, um, another mother um, was serving her daughter sandwiches and uh, the daughter wouldn't eat them because she felt there were tied crystals in the, in the sandwiches. Um, you know, we sort of have to deal with these very bizarre things on a regular basis. The other day I had an appointment set for my son to go to go to his GP. All of a sudden at that time he had disappeared. He had forgotten that the appointment was at three. He had thought it was at four. So it's sort of for the family caregiver, you're sort of always living in this kind of um, constant um, uh, kind of chaos of, you know, well, what's next? And you have to keep very calm. It's very important to keep calm, to keep structure in the house, um, you know, to make sure that there's no upsets. So it's an incredibly difficult role um, to, uh, to, to um, you know, to fill. And at the same time, it's it is sort of devalued um, by the professional health care provider. Um, we really uh, haven't found that we're getting too much. Um, you know, it's very difficult to communicate. Um, so it's, you know, as I say, it's um, a very, uh, every day is different. And uh, just to try and um, just keep a perspective on it is uh, very important. So I don't know if that... Um, <laughs> I probably um, have got you maybe thinking a lot, but it's just that there's just so many, many different things to deal with. Nancy, back to you. These things that Kathy's been talking about, do they fit into the framework that your research has revealed and depends on? Some of them I think do. For example, the um, situation that Kathy has described where an, a an individual uh, who was under care has gone astray, went to the airport, got on a plane. If part of that person's care was um, supervision, to, to monitor, to know where they are, to guide their direction, if that was part of the plan of care and for some reason somehow that person, that, that supervision lapsed or that person managed to elude that supervision, went to the airport, got on the plane and encountered some harm, because of getting on that plane, then that definitely could be considered an adverse event. Um, but I think I also hear Kathy talking 
quite a bit about how hard it is to give care and how constant it is to give care as a family caregiver and how stressful it is to give mm-hmm. uh, care as a family caregiver. That, that actually is a phenomenon and a situation that has received quite a bit of study, much more study, in fact, than the harm that the actual recipient of care um, and home care can get. Family caregiving, the stress of family caregiving is a known phenomenon. It is real. It is out there. And it's something that most families have been unable to avoid because they invest so much of themselves and they invest so much of their life in that caregiving experience. Just a quick because we're going to have to go into the inevitable break in a second, but my just quick response to you both for discussing in the next segment is this, that you both are saying that I think um, there's a question of whether the family caregivers really know what they're letting themselves in for. That was your point, Nancy. Um, And Kathy's saying that when they are involved in family caregiving, it's a it's an endless responsibility, which raises for me, and we'll, we'll discuss it later on, the question of whether family caregivers all round are receiving enough support for what they have to do, given that family caregivers, by definition, don't have any prior training um, for the kind of conditions that their family members develop. Now, I'm going to stop on that point because... That, as I say, we'll deal with in a moment. So we'll take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Dr. Nancy Sears and Kathy Walker. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. which guests are being featured this week read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts go to iradioblog.com today powered by the voice america talk radio network these days everyone is looking for information on staying young healthy and fit the voice america health and wellness network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you we talk about everything from diet fitness and aging to substance abuse personal growth mental health and much more learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives tune in to the voice america health and wellness network healthy living starts here The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to... To Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Nancy Sears and Kathy Walker. Our topic is family caregivers and adverse events in home care. Let's now talk about future research into adverse events in home care. Um, Nancy, what's next f- for your research into adverse events in home care? Well, as you can probably guess, There's a little saying that says every good study begets a better future study. 
<laughs> the, yes, right. <laughs> the research that we undertook, it was a start. It was, as I said earlier, there was very little research into adverse events in home care and actually measuring those adverse events. Um, so the study that we published investigated home care adverse events in a population of about half a million people in Ontario, Canada. But one study doesn't prove anything. Evidence from replicating the study in other places can tell us if we got it right. So what we've just been doing over the past couple of years is we completed the same study in three more Canadian provinces. Now, the results of that study, we hope, will be published within the next year. So at this time, I'm not at liberty to, to announce what those are. But what we've done is an early descriptive study in Ontario and now a replication of that study in three other provinces just to see if the results are similar or the same. And if they are, then we know we're on the right track, and then we can start thinking about branching out to very specific questions within those, the whole world of harm and home care. Right. Kathy, my question then to you is, what questions do you have for research, you know, that future research that Nancy's talking about into adverse events in home care associated with serious mental illnesses. What are your questions? Well, uh, one statistic that I would like to uh, know is how um, many of we family caregivers in with serious mental illness, how many are there doing this um, task? Um, so that would be one statistic. And I find that most documents don't have this particular statistic. I mean, you'll hear about supportive housing, but you won't hear about the family caregiver who gives supportive housing. So that would be one um, uh, one piece of information that I'd like to know. Um, also, family caregivers of people with serious mental illness are the first responders, and we do have skill sets there. Um, that would be uh, helpful, uh, I think, for um, for researchers to know. And one kind of research I'd like to see done is a qualitative research where you're asking, you're sitting down and talking to the family caregiver and getting their story and getting their sort of daily, you know, what what's happening during the day. So you're getting their, their um, how they're coping, what happens when a bizarre uh, event happens, how do they cope with it. Um, how do they uh, find a, find some sort of respite for themselves afterwards? And I would like, it would be really interesting if, if that could be done with a, a lot of family caregivers, uh, um, people who are looking after people with serious mental illness. I think that there might be some common themes that come out of that. Um, I think that um, what I'm doing on a daily basis is hidden, and we don't get uh, personal support workers coming in um, for whatever reason. I don't have any help at all. Um, so I'd like to have research done that would sort of communicate to the mainstream that this work is being done on a, on a regular basis. It's hidden. It's not acknowledged. It's unpaid. And yet we're basically holding up the mental health care system by, um, by performing um, this task each day. So that would be an area, you know, just to find out how, how many people are, are, are doing this. Okay. Now, Nancy, what's next for your research into the prevention of adverse events in home care, including the role of family caregivers in prevention? Okay. Nancy? Well, prevention is a very big area. Not all adverse events are preventable. 
what we found in the Ontario study is that about a third of all the injuries and illnesses caused by home care, however, are preventable. And those usually result from errors in judgment or errors in technique, no matter who makes those errors. And those kinds of errors in judgment or technique, they can be from doing the right thing in the wrong way. They can be from doing the wrong thing. And they can be from not doing anything that's failing to do something that's needed. So there's all sorts of things and ways that you can look about at these errors and look about preventability. But before we can prevent an error, we need to find out what caused the error to happen. So one of the studies um, that has just been completed, we're a large team, there's about 22 researchers across Canada that we were working together on about five different projects. One of those studies that we just finished uh, looked at the causes of the errors. It's often called root cause analysis, and that actually did involve going out and talking with everybody involved in certain situations where we had identified an adverse event. So again, we hope that those results are going to be published within the next year. And certainly, getting the family story is an important part of that. So once we know why a mistake is made, we can start looking at ways to help good people with really good intentions stop uh, or, or prevent them from making the mistakes that actually causes that unintended harm. So prevention, we know it's, it's, it's actually the whole reason we're in this business and starting to look at these, but we have to finish getting the descriptive information, dig as deep as we can into the roots and the causes, and from that then start building the preventative measures. Kathy, what questions do you have for research into prevention of adverse events in home care for serious mental illnesses and the role of family caregivers in the prevention? Um, and what I'm driving at particularly in that question is what Nancy was saying, that is understanding the, I don't know if this is the, quite the right word, but the causes of the adverse events so that what's to be done to eradicate those causes or minimize them um, is then the step which follows. But then if we switch over to serious mental illnesses and the role of family caregivers, what are the kind of things that you think, you've already mentioned qualitative studies, what, what are the kind of things you think that should be researched into? Kathy? Well, um, first of all, there's very little uh, in terms of family education for people looking after someone with a serious mental illness. Very little. In fact, um, just tonight, I'm going to be facilitating uh, Strengthening Families Together, which is a program by the Schizophrenia Society um, of Canada. Um, it's a 10-session program, and it does give information about mental illnesses and their symptoms. What it uh, could include to even make it better is discussing the possible adverse events that could happen. Um, we do discuss them in an informal way, but I think there really has to be a little bit more recognition of the danger. And I, I hesitate to even say that because um, when I talk about, um, you know, somebody escalating, they are the ill person, and the escalation is usually because the family caregiver or the healthcare professional has, has not really been on the ball and not uh, demonstrated the appropriate skills. Um, somebody with mental illness 
um, can, their perception is different, so you have to talk slowly to them. You have to address the fear underneath the, the you know, the, the demand or the paranoia or whatever. Um, you don't discuss their, their fixed delusion. That's, uh, that's a big mistake. It, you know, you really have to, to uh, pay attention to, to, uh, to their feelings and the way they perceive things. You know, on the one occasion when my son was taken to hospital because after three months of not being on medication, um, his behavior was getting a little bit agitated. And I was very lucky, and I live in York Region, and the police there are quite exceptional in how they treat people with serious mental illness. I called them. Three burly police officers came in, total, you know, with the guns and the handcuffs and everything. Somehow they had the skill, though, to talk them into going into hospital without handcuffs, whatever. So what I'm trying, what I'm saying is, is that, um, you know, we hear these stories about how people escalate and, and how they uh, become violent. That can be prevented if we take the time to listen to them and we have the skills uh, to demonstrate, uh, to address their difficulties. Um, after three months of having him off meds in, in my home, and I had to take time off of work, unpaid time off of work for this, he got into hospital with the assistance of York Regional Police. But as soon as he was in there, he escalated. They put him in a small room, windowless room, um, and, um, you know, I could hear that he was, you know, escalating in there. I wasn't in the room, but I could hear it. Then they put him on the, the ward in um, the intensive care unit, which is a, sort of a place where, he, where it's sensory deprived. You know, they, they try and not have any stimulus in the environment to excite the person. And I'm not sure whether that's a good thing. But anyway, once he was out of there, again, he became disruptive on, on the ward. Now, here for three months at home, even though he was not on medication, he did act impulsively sometimes, and he did pace back and forth, but he was never um, disruptive until uh, finally when I did call the police after three months. I was able to keep him um, where there was no adverse events happening, and yet he goes into hospital, and it's a different environment. People are have different pressures, and he escalates. So I guess uh, my point is, is that many of us family caregivers have skills already in place that need to be recognized, and I think we'd be a great resource, I'm sure, for anybody doing research, I think, you know, to kind of um, uh, just um, kind of um, resource us for the information that we do have. Just last week here, it's really interesting, I learned something for the first time. I learned that citrus fruit can have a very calming effect for somebody with serious mental illness. And I didn't know that, but I've observed over the years my son will eat lemons, about four or five of them, uh, you know, without any sugar or anything, just eat them, and I never knew why, and now I know. So there's a whole sort of unknown world out there that I would really like to um, to see being researched. Uh, um, I think okay. that... Have I, am I done? No, no. I just want a quick word from Nancy on this one. Um, Nancy, I think you've already said that uh, the kind of experience of family caregivers that Kathy's talking about is something that you're interested in exploring. But Kathy made, um, and I'd like to put this to you, uh, a rather daring suggestion, namely that um, 
putting words into her mouth. Maybe family caregivers should have some kind of uh, in- opportunity to voice their questions to you, the professional researchers, for you to consider for you to put together, for them to share things with you that may be of interest. What do you think, Nancy? Um, I'm actually of the belief that other people can tell us what we need to do better than we can figure it out for ourselves. So I agree with her asking the caregivers, asking the recipients of home care what it is they need to know uh, before the system can be changed and improved to address those needs and to make things better. That's always the best place to start. Um, but we have to start somewhere, and unfortunately, sometimes that somewhere is sounds small or sounds insignificant, but if you don't get the basics done, then you can't get the important work done. We're still at the basics. Nancy, this is just me feeding back point to you that's the discipline isn't it of scientific research that you do have to get the basics right so that you know that what you're working from as a set of as a piece of information or a set of pieces of information is actually right and accurate and can be defended if somebody uh, questions it am i right about that you're absolutely right doing research is very 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 expensive you, and its consequences can be so important. If you get it wrong and people rely on your information and your evidence, you actually cause more harm than, you're, than perhaps what you were investigating in the first place. So you're, you said it much more articulately than I did, but getting those basics right, getting the evidence right at the very beginning is important, and that's where we are. So what I see then, Nancy and Kathy, is the basics must be respected. They're crucial because, as Nancy just said, uh, the research has got to be right because all kinds of things are going to happen uh, as a result of it. And if it's not right, the consequences can be serious. On the other hand, um, I think we're hearing, Kathy, that the researchers at the right time are open to suggestions, experience, things you call the qualitative experience as a way of framing the next round, particularly when it comes to, well, what do we do about these serious events? What do we do about the adverse events? How can we prevent them? Because, as you both say, prevention is crucial. And the way in which prevention in the home works, particularly but not exclusively for serious mental illnesses, is itself um, an I think, from what you're both saying, an important area of research. Now, we have once again come to the time to take the break, so we'll do that now, uh, and then we'll come back and look to the future a little bit. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Dr. Nancy Sears and Kathy Walker. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. 
Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Nancy and Kathy, let's talk about the ways in which family caregivers can be helped in preventing adverse events in home care, and I want also you to share your messages for family caregivers. So starting with you, Nancy, what would you like to do and see done to help family caregivers caring for family members at risk of adverse events? near and dear to my heart is making sure that every home care recipient and every family caregiver knows that there are risks and when they enter into home care and that their eyes are open, that they're not going in assuming that everything is going to be a smooth ride because it never is. Second is providing opportunities for every family caregiver and every self-caregiver to receive not only information about the care that they're going to be involved in providing, but also in skill training so that they can develop and master the techniques of care that they agree to provide. Just telling somebody how to do something doesn't necessarily mean that the skill is developed, and we need both, the knowledge and the skill. And third, and these are not in any order of priority, actually I think they're equally important, I would suggest that providing every family caregiver and every home care recipient with a home care case manager, somebody who knows them, who knows their situation and who knows not only what they need and what they perceive and want, but they also know how to do it. They're not just a paper pusher, but they're somebody that knows how to provide this care and that they can be there whenever needed to work with the family caregiver, to work with the recipient, to troubleshoot issues before those issues escalate and result in harm. If I had to pick three things, those would be my top three. Right. Kathy, same question for you. What would you like to do and see done to help family caregivers caring for family members at risk of adverse events associated with serious mental illnesses? Kathy? Well, um, I was listening to Nancy, and I would really like to have a home care worker <laughs> who, who uh, knows about mental illness. One of the things that we family caregivers uh, complain about is many of the professionals in mental health are not uh, aware, are, are not aware of some of the symptoms of mental illness, and that's very disconcerting, and it also causes harm. And I can give examples of that, but um, maybe another day. Um, but I would really like to have somebody trained, a manager who could help me, because this is a full-time job, and I didn't 
volunteer for it. I mean, um, we don't volunteer for these jobs. Somehow, um, because we love our, our family member, we're kind of roped in and we want to, we're committed. Um, what I'd like to see is guidelines. I'd like to, you know, and that would come with a home care manager. I'd like to see some guidelines. If there was guidelines where, where family caregivers could contribute to the formation of the guidelines, that way you recognize that this is a real role that we're performing. Um, other things that need to be looked at and in, in regards to um, serious mental illness is the privacy legislation uh, here in Ontario is really prohibitive and in, in, in gets in the way it hobbles us. We're not included in the circle of care. Um, so if you have somebody coming home from the hospital who has a, um, a fixed delusion and feels paranoid and feels that the caregiver is out to get them, that person is not going to sign a release form, but that person may be living under your roof. So you don't know whether that person is suicidal, homicidal, um, but you know, that's something that really has to be looked at. And the, the amount of anguish that that particular piece of legislation costs is, is like, it's nonstop. I just see people um, complain about it all the time. And we really need to look at that. This is where the state is basically coming in and impacting on the integrity of the family caregiver. And she's prevented from doing her job because she doesn't have needed information. So we really need to look at that. Uh, here in Ontario, also, the latest document in uh, mental health policy is Healthy Minds and Open Minds, and they have advocated that they have an advisory council, a minister's advisory council, but there's no position there for a family caregiver. We need to be on that committee because uh, uh, our voices are very important, and time and time again, we are discounted, our inputs dis- diminished, and this is um, you know, something that we, we have to deal with on a regular basis. Here we're doing the most important work. We're uh, basically holding the mental health care system up. We're the backbone, and yet we have no voice. So that is, that's a health issue. You know, having no voice is a health issue. Many of the people that are my fellow family caregivers uh, suffer from stress. They suffer from depression, headaches, sleep apnea. Um, I have this permanent lump in my throat, and I'm followed by a specialist, um, you know. Uh, so, so I'm just... Say that it's not just um, our loved ones that really need better care and more informed care. It's the people that are on the front line, like family caregivers, also need care and recognition. So um, these are the things that I would like to see, um, you know, um, put in place to help, um, you know, prevent an adverse event. Nancy, what's your message for family caregivers caring for family members who are at risk? of adverse events? Well, I think it's fairly simple and common sense messages. First of all, be preemptive. Ask questions. Be informed. We all know that living involves risk. Any one of us can enter harm, encounter harm, any time of the day or night. And, and caregiving has its own risks. We need caregivers that accept risk, but at levels that they're comfortable with and that they don't go beyond that and expose themselves to more harm, more stress than they're actually comfortable living with. Excuse me. <clears throat> we need you to learn uh, all you can about the care you give. We need you to learn skills that you're going to be using and also to practice them before you use them. But you know, I'm listening to Kathy, and I hear what you're saying, and I you know, totally agree with her. Generally, caregivers need to care about 
what they're doing. They need to care about how they're doing it. But even as important, they need to care about themselves. They need to look after themselves because we really need them in home care. Kathy, what's your message for family caregivers caring for family members who are at risk of adverse events associated with serious mental illnesses? Kathy? Well, we need more Nancys. <laughs> I would love to have somebody like you in, in mental health care. I I would really like it. I would really like somebody to tell me these things. That's what I need to hear. And, um, you know, uh, we need more people like you, Nancy, in mental health care, in my opinion. Um, My message for family caregivers is, um, as Nancy says, look after yourself. You really have to take care of yourself. Um, I spend three hours uh, a week painting, and I'm in another world when I'm doing that. That's my self-care. You really have to take care of yourself. Um, Also, with family caregivers, it's important that um, for our loved ones, we provide a safe environment. Um, You know, we need to um, make sure that uh, there's structure, that there are expectations, um, you know, that there's nothing kind of uh, out of the blue. Um, It's important to get as much education as possible. My co-facilitator at Strengthening Families, when her son became ill, um, made herself informed as much as possible on the illness to the point where she, I think she knew more than the psychiatrist did. But it's really, really important for um, for the family caregiver to know as much about these mental illnesses as possible. The Schizophrenia Society of Ontario, um, they sponsor Strengthening Families Together, which is a national program. Uh, that's probably the best way that um, family caregivers can get information. And it's also another um, opportunity to meet with family caregivers and just have that sort of emotional connect because we really need to connect with people that are going through the same kind of experience. Um, It's important to know about the Mental Health Act. Yes, even though um, things, papers may not be signed, you as a mental health care provider can give information to the psychiatrist. For example, what I do is I leave messages on my uh, my son's psychiatrist's voicemail. Um, I'm a little concerned right now because he only sees a psychiatrist four times a year. I don't think that's enough. So now what I'm doing is uh, every every time there's a blip or, uh, you know, something happens, I, I reach for the telephone and I put it on his voicemail with the hope that he will uh, start to see my son more frequently because I think one of the reasons that my son um, has been declining this winter is because he doesn't see the psychiatrist often enough. So that's my way of communicating to the psychiatrist. So you need to know your legislation and, and, and sort of be a little assertive when you're talking to the, the secretary or whatever because uh, they do get intimidated when you quote the Mental Health Act. I found that. Um, I find that people... Um, you know, sometimes people can be very dismissive of we family caregivers, but I, I think we need to look past that and be um, polite but assertive. Um, so I think uh, that's probably um, my message. Uh, and I'm just ending on the, the note, take care of yourself, uh, because nobody else will. You really need to take care of yourself. Thank you, Kathy. To both of you, Um, There's a consensus I can see, hear and feel between you both, and that is that, among other things, um, family caregivers need support 
in the form of information so that they know what they're, they're letting themselves in for, whether they've any option uh, not to let themselves in for that kind of thing is, is something that needs discussing. Um, they also need um, information which is rock solid. That is to say it's understandable, uh, it's actually useful, um, and that it's trustworthy, and that maybe, as Kathy suggests, guidelines are a good way to do that. But as Lancy has emphasized, um, it's not just a matter of book learning, so to speak. It's also a matter of skills, what you do, how you do it, how often you do it, uh, what to look for when you're doing it. All, all the things that people in healthcare, and if I may say, say especially nurses, are train to do uh, in a way that gives them skills uh, in that delivery of healthcare, in that delivery of care, and that delivery of caring. So all of that, um, I'm going to finish on this, um, um, you know, sort of almost political tone. I very much hope that both of you will continue to communicate and that if there's an opportunity when Nancy's research has reached the point they're looking at the research questions for the next round after the basics have been done that Kathy and people like her will get an opportunity to come and talk to you, talk with you and prepare themselves for a discussion with you so that uh, what you do next uh, you can consider what they're saying and take it in the context in which it's being said. Now, all of that said, I want to say thank you to you both, Nancy and Kathy, for everything you've done in this episode, sharing your experience, your insights, and your advice. And I want to wish you both, in your different ways, every, every, every success in your work because it's profoundly important at, at these times in healthcare. I want to thank our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be titled Personal Injury Law, Paraplegia and Quadriplegia and Family Caregivers. Please join us same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 